Welcome, guys, and thank you for joining us on Colin for our show Unruly with Ryan and Rob. Uh, this is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and I'm excited to be joined by our other co-host, Rob Bermudez. What's going on, Rob? Oh, you know, it's a little bit hot in the country. Things are looking a little bleak, but I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it is a very humid day here uh, on the East Coast where I'm at, and our air conditioning is not uh, working properly, so it's been, it's been swell. <laughs> Uh, welcome, Jorge, and, and, and folks, as, as you're coming in. Uh, so today we're going to talk about how Joe Biden and the Democrats are failure to use their majority to deliver uh, for the people is paving the way for Republicans uh, to win back power in 2022 and 2024. Uh, the Democrats love to blame non-voters and blame independents and, and blame uh, socialists and leftists uh, when they lose elections. But if, if a political party wants to win an election and wants to hold power, then they actually have to do something uh, to help the people and to improve the, the, the people's material conditions. And uh, we're actually seeing the exact opposite of that. Uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats have, have used their majority to make every single possible excuse as to why they, they can't uh, help the people uh, who are being burdened right now uh, with incredibly high inflation. And uh, the cost of living in this country is, is, is reaching record highs. And meanwhile, all we're getting from the White House and from the Democrat-controlled House and Senate are a myriad, a, a myriad and a list of excuses. Um, and actually, uh, just this week, uh, Rob, Biden and the Democrats have a new midterm message. And, and guess what it is? It, their new midterm message is you have to vote for them to stop, and I quote, Trump's ultra-mega policies. Now, what's so diabolical about this is Biden has continued Trump's ultra-mega policies when it comes to corporate subsidies, when it comes to immigration, uh, when it comes to privatizing Medicare, uh, and when it comes to increasing uh, military and police spending. You know, Biden and the Democrats just approved the largest ever spike in Medicare premiums, which hurts our seniors who are already struggling. They let the child tax credits expire. They did not fight to pass a living wage, despite their campaign promise. Uh, and they did not repeal Trump's corporate tax cuts. Uh, and they have completely abandoned Medicare for all. So this is a party right now that's using its majority to stab its own voters in the back. And their other midterm message is to just straight up gaslight the public by telling people that the economy is doing great, which couldn't be further from the truth. We are seeing record inflation, uh, like I just alluded to earlier. And when workers' wages are not keeping up with the rising cost of living, it does not mean the economy is doing well. It means people are struggling to survive. Uh, Rob, just yesterday, Biden gave a speech, and he was actually visibly angry. Uh, so I think some of this criticism is, is starting to get to him. And he literally shouted at the camera and he said, I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. And he, he screamed it so loud. We're changing people's lives. And th the reason I find this so just ridiculous is that this is another lie. Biden and the, and the Democrats aren't spending money on the people, but they're spending money on more proxy wars more police, and more corporate welfare. And the result is that our lives have gotten worse while corporations are raking in record profits at our expense. 
They're not changing people's lives. They are destroying people's lives. And their failure to use their majority to deliver for the people is paving the way for Trump and the Republicans to win power in 2022 and 2024. Uh, Rob, what is your reaction to how Joe Biden and the Democrats are running the country? And do you feel like they are paving the way for Republicans to win uh, by failing to deliver uh, for the people? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of the logical takeaway from this. The frustrating thing for me is I I think so many voters genuinely want to do the right thing. And they've just been told their entire lives that, you know, there's two parties. And if you vote for one of them, that's who you want to win. Or if you want to stop the other party, you have to vote for whichever, you know, if you want to stop the Democrats, you vote Republican or vice versa. And I think the Democrats are going to get absolutely slaughtered in the midterms. I think they're going to get slaughtered in 2024. And unfortunately, we've seen it time and time again, when there are these, these defeats that they'll take electorally, they're not going to look inward and say, well, maybe we were too conservative. Maybe we didn't do enough spending on social programs. They're going to immediately pivot to the left and yell at us and say, it's your fault that you didn't vote for us. And that's the reason you're going to, we're going to have more Republicans and we're going to have Trumpism. And until the, the kind of everyday people kind of wake up to the fact that, you know, it's not, it's not the Republicans that are in charge right now. Are they actively trying to pass horrible legislation in states? Yes, absolutely. Are the conservative Supreme Court justices uh, destroying our democracy and freedom? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you can only say, hey, you have to vote for me to save democracy, to save freedom, to save all these things. You can only say that so many times. And when you actually win, you have to do something. Otherwise, the people are going to say, you know, never again. And so my fear is if the Democrats get blown out in 2022 in the midterms in 2024, I think there's going to be, of course, uh, a rise of conservatism and, and it's going to have horrible policies with horrible impacts on most marginalized communities. And I just don't know if people are going to learn the, learn from their mistakes and say, okay, we need a new path or we, we, we can't just keep trusting these middle of the road, quote unquote, middle of the road, uh, Democrats. It, it's awful. And in a time where, the the Democrats are feigning outrage over Roe v. Wade being overturned, over gun laws not being passed. The the leadership of the Democratic Party is turning around, and in a very tight race, they backed Henry Cuellar, the incumbent who is A-rated with the NRA, is a anti-choice. Democrat and they decided, yeah, that's who we're gonna we're gonna back financially. That's who we're gonna back morally instead of Jessica Cisneros, who is you know still a Democrat, but I think we could all agree, uh, based on her policies, based on what she what she wants to fight for, it would be an upgrade and would also kind of continue to quote send a message uh, that that this centricism isn't going to win and that. The, the new shape of the Democratic Party is more left leaning. Unfortunately, I just I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't even think if that did happen, that it would make enough of an impact to save us, because if the Republicans are actively setting everything on fire and, and the Democrats come in and say, oh, well, OK, well, we got to fix it. They're bringing a spray bottle to put out a forest fire and saying, look at the great job we're doing fighting this fire. And it's it's not enough. And and that's not even talking about the, the place in the middle where the Democrats and Republicans 
are coming together to fund proxy wars, to fund destruction in the Middle East and the global South. And it's just, it's, it looks like there's not a lot of hope outside of a full blown revolution. And as of right now, the masses seem to be not quite there yet. Um, we'll see with more inflation, with more, uh, not being able to pay their rent, more stagnating wages. If more people will decide, Hey, I don't think voting is going to get us out of this mess. Well, one of the things that's interesting that you brought up a, a lot of good points. Uh, one thing, though, that I would just counter with is, is you say, you know, definitely the Republicans start fires uh, and, and, but, and the Democrats come along and say, oh, we need to put out these fires that they're starting. But, but I would actually say that the Democrats also start fires and, and they have most of the same conservative policies that the Republicans have, especially on economics. I mean, right now, Biden's entire agenda is – is just funneling more money to the military industrial complex and expanding U.S. imperialism abroad uh, to enrich the oligarchs and to enrich the weapons manufacturers. You know, we're seeing record inequality in this country. We're seeing a working class that is working longer hours, uh, and we're seeing the, the the wages are not the workers' wages are not keeping up with the with the rising cost of living. We're seeing rents that are just astronomically out of control. You know, so many corporate landlords, so many corporations have bought up all the housing and all the housing units in this country and are just gouging, uh, you know, everyday Americans uh, with these crazy rent prices. And again, you have the Democrats forget about bringing a spray bottle. I mean, that's what's so hypocritical about, oh, you got to vote for us to or Trump's going to come in with his ultra mega policies. It's like the Democrats' policies are the same as Trump's policies. Like they literally have the same economic policies as the Republicans. The only difference is the Democrats just pander more and they go on CNN and make these speeches about hope and change. And, and you know, they kind of co-opt the language of of the of the real left and, and of the working class and say that, that they want an economy that works for everyone. But at the end of the day, the Democrats are, are governing for uh, the people who put them in power and the people who, who, who donate to them. And that is Wall Street and the big banks and the weapons manufacturers and big pharma. Uh, and uh, it was interesting this week, Biden's approval rating. This is the third week in a row that it's fallen, and it's now near a record low uh, per Reuters. His, his approval rating is now at 36%. And one of the things that I think is happening that's not discussed, of course, on, on corporate media is that Biden's approval rating it keeps falling because the people aren't buying his lies anymore about how great the economy is when they can't afford housing, health care, and groceries, right? And uh, Cody Hanna, uh, who is a candidate who's running for the Green Party, he tweeted something yesterday that I really just think hits the nail on the head. So sh shout out to Cody Hanna, and I'm going to read his tweet. Yesterday, he, he tweeted, um, after working a full shift at the restaurant, I left with $70 in, in my pocket, $50 of which went to put gas in my car. Hours are being cut because nobody can afford to drive anywhere, much less eat at a restaurant. Working people are struggling. So when I see these stories about Biden approving billions of dollars for Ukraine, or pushing cities to spend money on police departments, I get rightfully pretty damn pissed. I don't ever want to hear that we can't afford programs that benefit the working class. It's a dead lie. And then, you know, which just totally hits the nail on the head, right? That, you know, we have the money uh, for housing. We have the money for health care. We have the money to, for everyone in this country to get a living wage. But what we don't have are leaders who will actually fight for policies that help the working class because they're too busy fighting for their corporate donors and they're too busy fighting for the capitalist class and, and for Wall Street. 
And, and then, of course, to top it all off, the Democrats chair of the House committee uh, that is investigating the Capitol riots and investigating Trump, he came out this week and said that the panel will not make any criminal referrals. Right. So Democrats were never going to make any criminal referrals. These hearings were nothing more than political theater to deflect from the fact that they aren't using the majority majority to help the people. Uh, the cost of living is at a record high, yet all they do is make excuses for why they can't act and blame everyone else but themselves for their failure to deliver. And what's even more pathetic uh, about these hearings is Democrats have used them to make Liz Cheney their new hero who voted with Trump 93% of the time that she was in Congress. And, and here's a point that isn't discussed enough and I want to be very clear about. Look, we get it. Donald Trump is bad. But that's all Democrats have been talking about for six years now. And it's intentional. They want the public to think that every problem in this country is the result of one corrupt man. So the public will never wake up and realize that the problem has always been our corrupt capitalist system that exploits the workers uh, to enrich the ruling class. And Democrats don't want people focused on our corrupt system because they're a part of it and they're getting rich off of it. Rob, what's your reaction that despite all the suffering in the country right now and the real pain out there for the working class, that all the Democrats want to do is focus on Trump instead of passing policies uh, and improving the material conditions of the people? Well, they don't want to actually go against who is funding them. That's, I think at its core, what we're finding out is, and we've seen this especially over the last four to six years, the Democrats have no urgency to install Medicare for all, to, to have programs that will help people. There is no willingness to cancel student debt, which doesn't even need congressional approval, because the, the very people that would benefit from this, they're they're not the ones that are funding these campaigns. These politicians are getting more money from special interest groups, from lobbyists that are saying, look, you can say all the things you want, but when push comes to shove, I don't want to see any policy that's going to affect our pockets. That's why we're paying you. That's why we're lobbying. And so it's very convenient to blame everything on Trump, and Trump is a disaster. But again, at the same time, Trump is a disaster and the the person that came before Trump was a disaster. The person that comes after Trump is a disaster. It doesn't matter which party. They ultimately, it's always our hands are tied. We can't actually help the American people. But when it comes to something that's incredibly expensive or benefits the ruling class, well, all of a sudden their hands become untied. We have to stop Donald Trump because if he gets into power, he's going to do all these bad things. Okay, but then when they when when the Democrats get elected and they have all this power that Trump would be using for the nefarious reasons, all of a sudden, well, we don't actually have that much power. So it's it's really it's a crock of shit. And, it, you know, it takes people a different amount of time to kind of see through it. But it, it's really frustrating because in the meantime, you have people's lives that are being either devastated or lost. And the it's not just Trump. It, it, I think a, a recent report came out that Democrats were trying the Pied Piper strategy again in some congressional races, trying to elevate what they think is the most kooky and unelectable uh, candidates to run against because they think it's going to give them a better chance. But we saw what happened in, in 2020, uh, you know, in 2016, where Hillary Clinton said, hey, uh, we want to run against uh, Donald Trump because we got a better chance of beating this guy. They elevated him. He gets popularity and then ends up beating her in, in the general election. So 
it's a strategy we've seen backfire before. It's a strategy that I'm assuming will backfire again. And you're right. When, when we hear Liz fucking Cheney, I mean, it's not, it's, it wasn't that long ago that Dick Cheney was seen in the eyes of Democrats as, is like public enemy number one, right? Uh, during the Bush administration, I was, you know, a child, but I was what I would consider a Democrat. I believed the Democrats were the good guys and everything. And the joke used to always be, oh, Bush is a bad president, but it's Cheney who's making all the decisions. It's Cheney and Rumsfeld. And now you have so-called liberals and, and so-called Democrats saying, well, actually, it would be good if she ran for president. Like, this is this is outrageous. And it's fucking delusional. It's just, Robert Reich, who some people on oh the my left God. put up as this hero – he wrote a column for his Substack that said that literally promoted Liz Cheney for president to run for president in 2024. Like these people are delusional. And that's my thing with with the Democrats, why I left the party uh, in, in 2020, why I voted third party in 2020 and why I don't see myself ever voting Democrat again is that Democrats will tell you to your face that they are pro-democracy. While they are literally suing to kick third parties off ballots and rigging their own primaries, they will tell you to your face that they are anti-war as they are literally funding wars and arming fascists. They will tell you to your face that they're fighting fascism while their entire party is beholden to corporations and billionaires, which is exactly what fascism is. It's a merger uh, of the government with, with big business. So – the Democrats will tell you that they are your ally as they are literally inserting the knife in your back. So this idea that we only have one fascist party in America, I think, is perhaps the most dangerous lie of all. Both parties have completely sold out the public and formed a corrupt merger between corporations and the state, which is the dictionary definition of fascism. Yet liberals in this country are still under the illusion that somehow voting for the blue fascist party that's a little more polite and gives speeches and then stabs us in the back is going to save us from the red fascist party when they both serve the same corporate interests. It is absolutely delusional. In my mind, our only path to progress is through direct action, mutual aid, protest, and supporting independent third parties and movements. Um, Rob, how much longer can the Democrats get away with fooling the people that they're fighting fascism when they're literally actively collaborating with Republicans in Congress to pass laws that funnel more money up to the ruling class and to their corporate donors? Uh, and what do you see as the best option for the people right now when both parties are actively working against us? Well, I think education has to be a part of it. Unfortunately, where people are getting their information from is telling them, well, there's only two options, right? So many people are caught in this two-party duopoly because they're – you know, the, the insidious, sinister part of capitalism, too, is we're overworked, we're tired, and it's like people don't want to hear, well, the, the hard work that it's going to take to bring back any semblance of democracy. Even uh, Again, I say bring back loosely. Um, we haven't ever really had a full democracy. Even, you know, look at the founding fathers said, okay – a good chunk of people just straight up can't vote. So it's, it's never, and voting isn't like the epitome of democracy. Uh, the, the will of the people being represented is, is very much democratic. And yeah. even if people are allowed to vote and the rules are, are like the electoral college is not democracy. And yet we say we're, we're the world's greatest democracy. But back or, to capitalism yeah. being sinister, it's like people are tired and people like that want to, say they want to stay involved in politics, right? 
if they don't have several hours a day and they don't know to go to certain independent media sites and to diversify where they're getting their media from, if they don't know that there is no such thing as an unbiased source, if they say, look, I'm just going to watch my one hour of CNN a day and that's going to fill me in on what's going on in the world and they're going to try to make the best educated choices they can based off of that, that's where the problem is. People, I think, want to make educated decisions the problem i think is that corporate media has so effectively subdued any sort of anger in this country it's told us actually it's it's not the rich people's fault actually it's that other side's fault and so people a want the easy way out they don't want to think that revolution's their only way out they say oh everything is just the other side's fault well all I have to do to be a good person, all I have to do is take a little bit of time out of my busy schedule every couple of years and just vote for the right team, and, and then that's it. And then we get freedom and democracy. That's what people believe because that's the easier thing to swallow than going to the polls has very little input on what will actually happen in our everyday lives. And a good example of that is the the Supreme Court. The people don't get to vote for the Supreme Court. Well, the people can vote for president. Okay. And and even when you vote for the president, the president then decides who they're going to appoint to that position. The people don't get to say, hey, look, this person is a sex pest. This person is a blatant liar. This person is bought by corporations. We don't want them to be there. Ultimately, it's, well, you voted for the president and you voted for the Congress that approved them, but they're unilaterally decided deciding that actually, you know what, Border Patrol is going to have complete control uh, 100 miles from the border. Oh, and by the way, that, that doesn't just mean the border of Mexico and Canada. That also means anywhere where the ocean touches the country. Oh, and by the way, uh, airports are also considered that. So 100 miles within any airport. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are happening in a very short amount of time right now. And the, the scary thing for some is that it's happening under a Democratic president, a Democratic-controlled House, and a split in the Senate. This isn't like the Republicans stacked the House and they have all these uh, politicians that have power. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a Democratic-controlled government right now. And the Supreme Court is doing whatever it wants. They're trying to revert Miranda rights. It's it's terrifying that people are are seeing this and saying, well, we just have to vote harder, especially, especially when you have people like Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor saying, well, actually, Clarence Thomas is a decent guy. He's a good guy. And he cares about the, the sanctity of the court. When you have Democratic and Republican Senators and Congress people voting on legislation to provide extra police and extra defense for these Supreme Court justices who are making these huge decisions that are impacting millions of lives. The people are outraged and the immediate governmental response is, well, let's try to protect these people from those that are rightfully angry instead of saying, why are these people angry? Is it because they feel like the government is, is running their lives and dictating and they don't really have a say and that's leading to anger? We're not going to address that. We're just going to keep protecting these people who are going to protect and serve capitalism. They're going to protect and serve the status quo. And we're just going to see how long people are going to take it. And when the people do rise up, well, we're going to have the police and the National Guard armed and ready to, to push back against any sort of struggle because they don't fear us. At the end of the day, they don't fear the regular people are going to do what it takes 
to to get to to use their leverage, whether it's economic leverage and in a general strike and shutting everything down and squeezing these businesses out, whether it's a well armed militia pushing back with with actual physical force, we haven't seen anything remotely close to what would be needed to have substantial change. Yeah. So as long as that's the case, the the status quo, the ruling elites of this country, they're they're fine. They feel very safe. They feel protected, and and they feel like there's no consequences. Well, one of the big problems, and you're kind of hitting on it right now, and one of the things that I just find absolutely insane about what's going on right now is that there are so many Americans, even Americans who aren't well off, who are worshiping the politicians and worshiping the very billionaires who are fucking us all over. Like, I don't know when it's going to dawn on people that you're not supposed to worship these greedy psychopaths. You're supposed to make them fear the people. Like, that is the only way anything will ever change is if these ruling elites and if these corrupt politicians and if these CEOs who are all rigging the system against us is, is the moment they start fearing the wrath of the people is the moment we will, we will get closer to dignity and justice for all people in this country. But right now our politicians way too comfortable. And there's this level of elitism in this country where I think so many people are just trying to make it that, and, and we're kind of taught from a young age to, to, to worship the very system uh, which is capitalism that is that is rigged against us and that is rigged for people who have capital and for uh, big business and and Wall Street and and so you're kind of taught from a young age in this country to worship the very system that is harming you and and, and to obey the very system that is rigged against you and and obedience is is a tool of the ruling class when people are obeying the system that is just what keeps the status quo in check what we need people what we need is for people to disobey and for people to rise up and, and, and to call out these corrupt politicians and to call out this system for the injustices that it continues to perpetuate uh, every, every day. And another thing, you know, when we talk about democracy, one of the things that, that I figured out a few years ago is that, you know, some people think that we have democracy in America and we've never had democracy in America. And, you know, there's no such thing as democracy when uh, you, the, the, the two choices are, uh, you know, you get to vote for a, a blue corporate party or a red corporate party. Like if your two choices are two parties that serve the ruling class and serve big business, that is literally the antithesis of democracy. That is the oligarchy that we live in now. So the very system itself is anti-democratic. And, uh, you know, I you, you hear so often like, oh, but a third party can never win. So you have to vote for one of the two ruling class parties. But that's the exact kind of thinking that keeps this corrupt system alive, right? Like a third party can win, actually, if the people vote for it. And if you really just think about it, the people are losing every election anyway when either of these ruling class parties win. So it's not like the people are winning our elections, right? Big business and the ruling class and the billionaire class are winning every election because they own both parties, uh, and there was a there was a segment uh, on the View yesterday that was just so cringeworthy. You know, there's chatter now that that Joe Biden is, might not run for re-election, although he said he is. Uh, but there, there was there's talk about a Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg ticket, and it's so. What's so interesting to me is how disconnected from reality these comfortable liberals are, because a ticket of corrupt neoliberals who use identity politics to cover up the fact that they have no intention of serving anyone except their wealthy donors would get absolutely demolished in 2024. Like 
I don't know when it's going to dawn on the DNC or the Democratic Party, or maybe they actually know this, but their whole goal is just to keep comfortable liberals within the party. And again, they don't care about independence. They don't care about the left because we actually want real policies and we will actually hold them accountable. So their whole strategy seems like, okay, we just need to hold on and keep brainwashing these comfortable liberals and tell them, oh, we're the party of equality as, as we continue to protect this unequal system. Uh, but that and, – and then what you saw in 2020 is instead of actually reaching out to the Bernie movement and reaching out to people on the left and to real independents who want to see actual progressive populist policies, the Democratic Party did, did what it always does is it, it moves to the right, right? It moves to like these moderate Republicans in the suburbs, and it's like, oh, if we can just pick off enough college-educated women who voted Republican in the past and get them to vote Democrat, that's the reason Joe Biden won. Like they literally sold out the base. They did not make one. In fact, I tweeted during the election uh, that the fact that Joe Biden did not have to make one major concession to the left to win is a bad sign because the DNC is going to take this information and they're just going to keep moving further right and keep moving closer to their corporate donors because that's the goal of the DNC. Their goal is to protect Wall Street, to protect their corporate donors, and then to just come up with platitudes and come up with basically narratives to deceive the people and to trick the people that, oh, the Democrats are really on your side. And, and the main tool they've used is, oh, look at us. We're the party of LGBTQ people. We're the party of black people. We're the party of women. You know, they use these kind of vague, hollow identity messages without actually helping these marginalized communities. In fact, what they do, what the Democrats have mastered is they actually fundraise and use marginalized communities to fundraise to help them raise more money, and then they sell us out when they get power. You know, they do not care about the gay community, but they're all but they're pandering to us all the time in speeches, uh, you know, with rhetoric. And so that's really, I think, but when you're comfortable, okay, fine, some platitudes about hope and change, that's enough for you. But if you're living at the margins or below the margins, like 50% of this country is, you don't give a shit about hope and change platitudes. You're like, where is my health care? Where is a living wage? You know, where is it housing? You know, and so I just think there's this big disconnect and it comes back to class that everything in, in, in politics, it's really about class because the, the Democrats don't, if the Democrats actually cared about women, they would have fought for Roe v. Wade and they would have passed it uh, and codified uh, Roe when they had a majority, when they had a majority, which they've had several over the last half century. You know, if the Democrats actually cared about black people, they would, they would have passed reparations and they would fight for reparations. You know, if the Democrats actually cared about LGBTQ people, they would have fought for health care because there's nothing more that, that LGBTQ people at the margins need than guaranteed health care. But that's not what they're doing. They're, they're trying to appeal to these comfortable liberals who Everything's going great for them while they ignore the bottom 50% of this country who's just getting poorer and poorer. And so I just think we're way past the time of pretending that like this kind of politics is enough anymore, which is really what led me to leave the Democratic Party. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Rob, just on their hollow, uh, you know, kind of weaponizing identity politics and then turning around and serving Wall Street when they have power and doing nothing for the marginalized communities that they pretend to serve? Well, that's the only thing they can do. Again, if they're not actually going to take a stand against the corporations that are that are pushing policies, if they're not going to take a stand against Alec, if they're not going to do what it takes to help 
the marginalized communities, they still need those votes. And Jorge in the chat says, uh, during Pride Month, they managed to put a Nancy Reagan stamp and elevate Mike homophobe Pence to sainthood. And he's absolutely correct. It's oh. it's horrifying that like – and it, it wasn't like, well, it was Republicans doing this. This was fucking Joe Biden being like, yeah, let's get uh, Luis DeJoy, who I thought was going to be gone. I thought he wasn't going to be the uh, – you know, in charge of the Postal Service once Biden got elected. And then, oh, we got a Nancy Reagan. Like how fucking out of touch do you have to be to not understand that during Pride Month where you're doing all this pandering and Kamala Harris is at Pride and all this shit, and then you're turning around and it's like – what are they doing to stop the rise of violence against uh, the LGBT community, specifically trans people in this country? What are they doing? They're not doing, doing a nothing. goddamn thing. Nothing. And, you know, at the end of the day, if the Democrats cared about women, Roe v. Wade is one of a multitude of things they could do. But, you know, what would be really helpful for women is if we had guaranteed housing. How many women are in abusive relationships that they stay with with abusive partners? Because they can't financially afford to to live somewhere else, right? We've seen time and time again. What would be helpful for the the trans community? I don't know. Guaranteeing health care for everyone, including gender affirming care. So there's a lot of things like like there's always the it's always talked about Roe v. Wade, which is don't get me wrong, very important. There's always certain things that get pointed to as the classic. You got to vote for us, or the Republicans are going to take this away. But that's that saying that is losing a lot of weight, given that people came out. They didn't vote for Joe Biden. The vast majority of people did not want Joe Biden. They wanted Trump defeated. And the majority of people were convinced that Joe Biden gave them the best chance. But when you looked at exit polls, when you looked at policies supported, Joe Biden wasn't even like the third or fourth most popular that was running in the Democratic primary. And now you see a lot of people who voted for Joe Biden they voted to get Trump out of office, and they're seeing that things aren't getting better for them. They're seeing that, like, oh, shit, I, I was told I had to do this to save democracy, and we got more kids in cages. Material conditions are getting worse. The the handling – like, Joe Biden isn't directly responsible for the gas prices. However, Joe Biden's administration deciding to have a proxy war in Ukraine with Russia and slapping sanctions on Russia that have backfired, that is – a immediate result is we're paying more because we have a system that allows speculation to be exploited to to charge us more at the pump. And recently, Joe Biden sent a sternly written letter to some executives for some fossil fuel industry saying, you shouldn't do this. And it's like, great, you wrote a fucking letter. You know what they're going to do? They're going to shred it up and laugh and continue to make billions and billions and billions of dollars every single quarter. Yeah. And but see, you one know, of the things is that I will push back a little bit because people, you hear this with liberals all the time. Oh, it's not Joe Biden's fault. No, actually, it is. It's Joe Biden's fault. It's the Democrats' fault and the Republicans' fault because our government, both parties, one of the biggest things that they support are corporate subsidies, which is basically giving corporations huge kickbacks. Uh, and, and one of the biggest subsidies that they provide are uh, fossil fuel subsidies. And it would be very simple. And in fact, they're doing this in – uh, the United Kingdom right now, all that the government has to do, which the Democrats control right now, is say, okay, look, we're not going to actually give you fossil fuel subsidies anymore unless you stop gouging the people and stop gouging uh, uh, the American people at the gas pump. 
But they're not doing that. That's the thing. Like the Democrats are coming up with excuses. Oh, it's Putin's price hike. Oh, it's Trump's fault when Trump's not even the fucking president anymore. Oh, it's Republicans fault when Republicans don't even have the power right now. No, it's the fucking Democrats fault. And it's and, and that's the problem with them, because, again, they exist to serve capital. They exist to serve big business and the ruling class. The same reason the Republicans exist. The only difference is the Democrats lie to you and pretend to represent you and pretend to care about you, but they don't. And so they have to come up with these excuses when all it takes is someone to connect the dots and say, you guys are the ones who give these fossil fuel companies big subsidies every year. Why don't you go back and say, no, you're not getting subsidies anymore unless you stop uh, price gouging. Let me tell you, the, 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 the fossil fuel companies would, would do that in a second because they don't want to lose their, their big subsidies. But, well, but they the shouldn't be getting subsidized in the first place. Well, they shouldn't be, absolutely. But that's the thing is, they are. <laughs> they're getting subsidized. Our government is giving them free money, and then they're, they're fucking ripping us off. So you're right. They shouldn't get any subsidies. But if you're going to give them to them and then to allow them to price gouge us is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, a, it's another topic, but we need to phase out this industry and, and, and move to clean energy. So like this energy, this, this industry has to be phased out in the first place. But the Democrats don't want to do that either. They want to say climate change is no. real, uh, but while giving uh, you know, big oil companies fossil fuel subsidies with no conditions, without saying you guys need to reform your businesses and invest in clean energy or – Stop price gouging at the pump. The Democrats don't want to do any of that. They want to be they want to kind of be these superheroes and, and tell these stories on CNN and MSNBC like, oh, we're the good guys while while they're literally governing for the rich and governing to fuck us all over. And, and, and that's what they want. They, they, they don't want any accountability. They don't you know, if this was a party that was accountable to the people, they would actually like, you know what? We 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 haven't done enough. So we're going to actually try to pass some policies here with the midterms coming up. But that's not what they're doing. They're actually lying to us, gaslighting the public, telling us, I don't know what you guys are talking about, about the gas prices and the cost of living and the cost of health care. They're fucking gaslighting poor and working class people right now and telling them, no, the economy's great. We've added more jobs. Da, 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 da. I mean, you listen to Joe yesterday. He's saying this is a great economy. We're literally heading into a recession. So – this is a party that has that is not accountable to the people, and that is because you have these comfortable liberals who, for multiple election cycles now, have just said, "Well, we're going to vote for them no matter what. We're going to vote blue no matter who." When you literally give your power away to a political party that is owned by Wall Street, and you give it away and tell them that they don't have to do anything to earn your vote, that is literally just giving them permission to govern for Wall Street and continue to fuck over poor and working class people. These comfortable liberals are just as complicit, if not more complicit, than Trump supporters, than conservatives, than Republicans, because they know better. But they don't do better. And they sit and actually try to present themselves as the good guys. And then they attack people like me and, and anyone who dares to tell the truth about the corruption of the Democratic Party or anyone that dares to want to do something about it or want to start a third party or – uh, build up the Green Party or, you know, help one of the socialist parties. And, and, and anyone who does that, we are completely – we are called an enemy. We are attacked, and, and, and we're just supposed to sit down and shut up and vote blue no matter who. And then they, they think that's the solution? Like that is the opposite of the solution. The Democrats are never going to represent the people, especially with that kind of thinking. Well, you know, it's not a coincidence that when they talk about the economy – 
there's always like two talking. Well, look at unemployment and look at like the, the GDP, right? The, a lot of the, the ways in which they track a quote good economy is how good is it for big businesses? And when you look at the unemployment That's numbers, right. there are a lot of people that are no longer considered unemployed because they've been without work for so long. They're no longer uh, accounted for in these statistics. They're considered out of the job, out of the, the workforce, right? And when you look at like, Oh, well, you know, we have people, more people are working. Okay, but you're not talking about purchasing power. Even the people that are working are not making enough to pay their rent and their gas or and their food. multiple jobs just and to survive. It, right. And so when you don't talk about purchasing power, you don't talk about, well, look at how many jobs we've created. Look at how many people are out of the, the labor force. And look at how there is this increase in people getting evicted. Eviction moratoriums are starting to pick up again. You know, I, I recently moved back to the Bay Area from San Diego and I was told, you know, we were in the move out process. We kept trying to get in contact with the office, get some, some like money stuff figured out. And they said, Oh, sorry, there's a, there's going to be a two week backlog. And we're like, well, why is everything taking so long? And they said, Oh, uh, an eviction moratorium just ended. So we have to process a bunch of these evictions. Like how fucked up is that? That like, I, 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 it's just it's it's horrible. Everything has gotten bad. We want to pretend like the pandemic's over. It's very much not over. Just because they've adjust they've moved the goalposts so far to say actually no no these numbers that like a year or two ago would have been considered like dark red let's lock it all down this is now considered we're in the green and we're fine right oh we don't have enough money to continue doing free testing to continue all these programs like no nah, that's not important we, we we don't have the money for it but we got money for ukraine right oh well we, we can just find more money magically for the police it's like yeah i don't know how many times the police need to be not only incompetent, but actively evil for people to realize that more police is not the answer. Right. And even in Texas, after the, the, after the shooting, the police, the police are like, they hired lawyers to say, please don't release any of the footage because it could be embarrassing. Right. And they stood outside for an hour while, while a mass shooter was literally slaughtering children and they did not go into the classroom to stop the shooter. And the Democrats are fighting with the Republicans to say, no, actually, we're the side that's more backing the blue. We support police more, right? Like, that was the pivot. After they got all those angry, rightfully angry people who protested in 2020 over the the death of George Floyd, they they saw massive numbers of, of new registered voters, and they overwhelmingly voted for Democrats. They didn't vote for Democrats for Democrats to turn around and say, we're actually the party of, of the police, and we want to give them more money. They backstabbed their voters, and it's like, it doesn't matter which side wins because there's always going to be more more guns in the hands of police, more military, and more austerity measures for us, less health care for us. There's it's not going to get better under either party. And and the thing the though, about the police thing, that we have to remember is you're right that the police are not helping the people right now. They're not keeping our communities safer. They're not. But but what what we have to be clear about the reason that both parties. Uh, always vote for more police funding is because the police are doing their job that they're that, that because the police's job is not to protect our communities or and to protect the people and to fight the bad guys. The police's job is to protect capital and to protect the ruling class and to protect private property. And so the Democrats know that because they're not doing doing anything to 
house the, the homeless and because they're not doing anything for the people who don't have health care and because they're not doing anything for people who are at the margins and for poor and working class people, they know that people are going to start rising up. They know that people are going to start rebelling because these people have no other choice. And so that's why they, they're giving more money to the police because they're just going to police people. They're literally use the police to stop the people from fighting for the justice and dignity that we all deserve. That's what the police's function is. So if the, if the Democrats were doing their job and actually uh, helping the people's material conditions, they wouldn't need to give more money to the police. But the fact that the Democrats are just allowing people to suffer and struggle, that's why they give more money to the police. So the police can bring, quote unquote, law and order, which really just means to lock up poor and working class people and unhoused people and black and brown people and people at the margins who 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 capitalists just see as having no value to society. Well, guess what? Every human being has value and has dignity. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. I don't care what job you have. Everyone has value and dignity. But this society we live in, this society, it devalues people. It, it says that you know these homeless people over here, they don't deserve housing. They don't deserve a, a, a dignified life. Bullshit. They absolutely do. And I want to kind of shift the, the discussion to, to, to the homelessness crisis because – Right now, we are seeing a historic level of homelessness in this country. You know, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures coming out of Seattle, San Francisco. Um, I mean, they're just absolutely just horrendous when you see the, the homeless camps and, and how many people right now uh, are becoming homeless. And uh, Biden's uh, – the HUD secretary, uh, Secretary Fudge, she came out uh, a few days ago, and she said, and I quote – we have to use the private sector as partners to try to make sure that we can build to scale. And the only way to do that is to make it more profitable for the private sector to build affordable housing. Rob, Joe Biden's HUD secretary thinks that the solution to the housing crisis is to make it more profitable for the private sector to build housing. This is delusional. It's the greed of the private sector that is the reason housing is so unaffordable in the first place. We need a housing first solution where free public housing is built, not for profit, but to end this crisis, this crisis of homelessness. And studies have shown that it would cost $20 billion, $20 billion to end homelessness in the United States. And we just sent twice that amount to fund a proxy war in Ukraine. So don't let them fool you. The so-called richest nation in the world could fund housing for all. But it doesn't want to. And the reason it doesn't want to is because then it couldn't exploit poor and working class people. And, but, and then again, when you have a government and two parties that are completely controlled by big business, solving homelessness by building public housing is not their goal. Their goal is they want to profit off of the homelessness crisis uh, and give more money to the private sector that is causing this crisis in the first place. Like this is evil. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you need an example. And I think that's why homelessness exists in this country is you need to tell people, yeah, you might be miserable at your job. You might be being exploited. Everything might seem rough, but it could be worse. You could be that guy on the street, right? That's, that's one of the core reasons we have homelessness. And the, the, 
incredibly and sinister. Over people's face. Yes, like, like, like you hey, work you, for the if you don't step you in better line, enrich the oligarchs, or you're going to end up homeless under the bridge. If you don't step in line and conform to the system, that's going to be you, and and you don't want that. So we need to make it extra miserable for these people. And the insidious, horrible, awful, inhumane part is that study after study after study shows. Not only is it the humane thing to do to provide housing for people, it is the cost-effective thing. It costs less money to build housing for homeless people and give it to them for free versus what we're currently doing, where you have police getting overtime, you have cleanup crews, you have talk, uh, hazmat, guys in hazmat suits spraying down every time they, you have more they destroy people in jail, these people's which lives. It costs more money to jail these people as well. Exactly. So yeah. it would be cheaper for the taxpayers in addition to just being the right fucking thing to do and yet there's this sense and it's it's so shitty and it's so ingrained in american ideology this idea of well did you earn it did you do like i don't give a shit if someone's working or not i don't give a shit if they're addicted to drugs i don't care people deserve to have their material needs taken and what, care and also, what of because they're human argument. fucking did you beings earn it? like did the billionaire who's getting did, did Elon Musk earn all these these corporate subsidies that he gets from the government? No. Like, did Wall Street earn all these tax breaks and all these kickbacks that they get from our government? No. They got them because they, they, they literally control and own our government. So this whole idea of like, oh, did you earn it is bullshit in the first place. None of these rich people earn their wealth. They exploited their way to the top. They, they earn their wealth by exploiting people's labor. That's how they earn their wealth, by paying people below a living wage and by not giving them good health care. That's literally how they became a billionaire in the first place. So this whole idea of like, no, like it's insane to me. And then you look and see pictures of like what other countries are doing. And Finland, for example, is ending homelessness. And how do they do it? They did it by what you're saying, Rob. They provided housing, public housing, not this public-private bullshit. Not this, oh, let's, let's, let's use taxpayer dollars to give billions of dollars to these private corporations who want to build public housing to just make more fucking money. Like that is literally what our system does. It takes these crises, whether it's homelessness or whether it's drug addiction or whether it's mental illness or whether it's lack of healthcare. And they just take these problems and instead of solving them and providing people with relief, they just make them worse by continuing to profit off of people's pain and suffering. Same thing with our war industry. It's absolutely disgusting. It's it's horrible. And, you know, it just going back to like San Francisco, because that's right in my backyard, right? I've, I'm in the East Bay, but like I am very well aware of what's going on in San Francisco. I know people who were actively fighting the recall to get Chesa Boudin, uh, the district attorney of San Francisco, who came in and implemented a bunch of policies that guess what? The policies he implemented were wildly popular with the people. And his whole approach was, we don't need to just lock people up. And of course, a bunch of money from rich assholes from, you know, whether it's the, the liberal elite or the conservative elite in San Francisco, the big tech money, right? They, they ran this well, media in San Francisco, campaign. Let's be honest. It's mostly the, the liberal elites. Like, and one thing that we have to yes, be but the, honest Yes, but about, I'm saying the money, yeah. the money specifically, there was a lot of money coming from right wing think tanks as well and, and super PACs trying to unseat uh, Chesa Boudin because he wanted to limit the powers of the police. And he said, we shouldn't just be saying that person's homeless. Let's throw them in jail. Yeah. 
right? A district attorney can only do so much. They are not allowed to say, well, we're going to increase funding for this and that. They can only determine what crimes are going to be tried and what crimes aren't going to be tried. So instead of penalizing every little offense and saying, we're going to come with the stick every time, he said, we're not going to waste our money on being inhumane. And because of it, it wasn't just rich assholes. It was rich assholes in conjunction with local media and national media running all these stories about how awful San Francisco is. And it's all Chesa Boudin's fault. It's not his fault that the liberal democratic mayor, London Breed, doesn't do shit to help homeless people. In fact, she used to routinely on her lunch break where she'd go and sit you know, outside of City Hall and if she'd see a homeless person, she'd call the police and say, well, I don't want to see this, right? Because that's, at the end of the day, the, the, the people in power don't give a shit about these homeless people. They're a pawn. They get used to get whatever policies they want passed because they don't want homelessness to end. They yeah, just want no, these like homeless people earlier. to be out of sight and die and, and not be inconvenient for them. Well, and well, one thing I was just going to add, I mean, I, the, the cities like Seattle and San Francisco and even Los Angeles, where, where I used to live, you know, where some of the highest amounts of, of homelessness, first off, what's causing the homelessness is just is capitalism, plain and simple, where, where it prices people out and people can't afford, you know, they, they fall on tough times. Maybe, maybe, sure, maybe there's something in combination. There, there's a mental illness. There's an addiction problem. But really, it's someone has, falls on tough time. They can't afford rent. They get laid off from their job. And then all of a sudden, like, the, the, the rents are so high, it pushes people out. And where you see the most homelessness in this country is where you have the, the largest concentration of capital. Places like New York, San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, the biggest cities, right? And the biggest cities, let's get very honest, they're run by corrupt corporate Democrats. And the solution is very much like what you talked about. Of these Democrats is incarceration, more police, you know, get them off the streets, but not actually providing them actual policies like housing and healthcare and helping these people get back on their feet. So I just think it's very important, especially for people who voted left in the past or voted for the Democratic Party, the places we're seeing the most homelessness are oftentimes and most times run by Democrats. They're just run by Democrats who they're the same kind. They're, they're, they're the Nancy Pelosi's. They're the Pete Buttigieg's of the world. They are the Gavin Newsom's who go on TV and make all these great speeches, give these sound bites about how they care about equality and democracy, and then they turn around and just give more tax breaks and kickbacks and subsidies to, to big business and, and do nothing for the poor and the working class and for the homeless. And, and for the homeless. So when you have a party that, that like the liberal Democrats – who don't actually solve problems and don't actually invest in housing and don't actually try to solve any of these problems, well, that's what we're seeing now. This is 20 years of just Democrats giving nice speeches and, 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 and you know, sweeping the problem under the rug, and now you've got people who literally can't afford uh, to live in these cities. And, and look, I mean, the rents in, in these cities are astronomical. It's like $5,000 for an apartment in San Francisco. It's $4,000 for an apartment in Los Angeles. Like, who can fucking afford that? And so I just – it's so important to talk about that because so many people fall for the platitudes of these Democrats. And so I just think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a rise in homelessness because we have a government that for decades and decades has continued to help big business and continued to help the billionaire class, Democrats and Republicans, and they've continued to sell out the people. And so this is what happens. You see homelessness. You see crime. You see drug addiction. You see mental illness because we have a, we have a country and a government that doesn't care about its people. It only I do want to clarify something though, Ryan. 
In San Francisco, since Chesa Boudin took over, crime rates did go down. People were safer. Yeah, but I'm talking about than before. I'm not even talking well, about crime rates. I'm, well, I'm, I'm just saying issues. But, the other, but because there's been this huge effort to to paint, well, San Francisco is completely dangerous. Everything's gone to shit. Yeah, there is an increase in homelessness. Also, there's a pandemic where a lot of people lost their jobs and their savings, and that's exacerbated some of those issues. But what we're seeing is articles from the New York Times and all these fucking mainstream media outlets saying the reason that this is happening is because a, a progressive DA who decided not to just criminalize everything, that's the reason things are unsafe. And it's more of just this bullshit yeah. framing. And it sickens me how how many fucking puff pieces are written about the police actually save the day and, oh, well, you know, this police officer overdosed from fentanyl because it was around him. Like, that's medically impossible. The, the, the fucking media has given so much cover, not just for the police, but for the rich and powerful entities who have connections, who are right. very well entrenched in power, and they're writing these pieces that are influencing public perception, even though they are blatantly false, even though the perception that they're trying to say, well, it's actually less safe, the numbers contradict that. And well, it and drives me it, crazy to see the, people fall for it time and time again. Well, yeah, and, but here again, it gets back to if, if, our, if our government and our politicians are not going to do anything to treat the poverty and to treat the homelessness, and they're not going to build public housing, and they're not going to guarantee health care, and they're not going to help these people who were pushed down by the very system – and they're not going to help them, then what the fuck do they think is going to happen? Like, of course you're going to have crime. And of course things are going to happen because we have a government that is completely ne neglecting our people. So like that again is if you treat the root cause, if you treat this, if you actually do something about the poverty and you actually help these people, get them back on their feet, then you'll see these people become productive members of society. But our, our society and our government has no interest. If you, if you do not serve capital, if you are not helping the oligarchs, and if you are not like literally working to enrich the handful of oligarchs who control the American economy and control our politicians, then you don't, they don't give a fuck about you. And, and that is, is, is where our society is starting to fall apart. And societies like ours that have, that are, have rampant inequality and where, where we now have 26 billion, or I think it's three billionaires, excuse me, uh, who own, who are hoarding more than half of the wealth in our country. And we have 26 billionaires who now own more wealth than half of the entire world. So we just, we live in a time of historic inequality. Like we are way beyond the, the, the Gilded Age. We, and, and we have po politicians who just want to, you know, protect the status quo and do nothing about this. And it's, I just think that like, it's going to keep getting worse. You know, it's red or blue. It doesn't matter when they're both like literally fucking over, fucking you over. Like, they don't give a shit about us. And the other thing that they've done very well, which is, which is a detriment to all of us, is both of these parties are rigging the system against us. They are both working for their corporate donors and for the, for the ruling class. And then they know that the one threat to their power is if, is if the people can come together, right? That is the greatest threat to the oligarchy, is if we can get people who have voted Republican in the past and Democrat in the past to finally see past all of this corruption and be like, you know what? enough like we need to take our country back our government back and we need to live in a society where dignity and justice for all people is a reality and so what they do is to prevent that from happening and to protect their power is they say no 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 the problem is not big business the problem is not the oligarchs the problem is the problem is your neighbor 
That's the problem. The problem is, is the person who lives ne- next door to you who thinks a little bit differently than you or prays differently than you or, or, or is a different sexual orientation than you. That's the problem in this country. No, so, so that's what they're doing. They're each side, whether you know, it's the, the conservatives or the liberals, whether it's the Democrats or Republicans, they are both pitting neighbor against neighbor to keep the people divided because if you can keep the population divided, you can keep exploiting the population and you, you can keep rigging uh, the system against all of us and enriching yourself and your corporate donors. So that's why I think it's so important to try to build solidarity across class lines, across cultural lines, to not feed into this culture war that they use to divide us because at the end of the day, like – it doesn't help any of us. The rich getting richer and hoarding and stealing our wealth that we earn with our labor, that's not fucking helping conservatives or liberals. Like we, So we need to stop feeding into the culture wars, and we need to start building solidarity and start you know, trying to get people you know, uh, coming together along – uh, and so we can start fighting for policies that help everyone. And I, and I just don't see any effort in doing that. People just want to keep us divided. Every commentator I see, whether it's, it's the, you know, the, the so-called progressive media or whether it's the, the right media, they're all about just you know, demonizing you know, and, and playing into these culture wars, which just keep us divided, which does nothing to try to solve the problem. Well, unfortunately, the system is so entrenched it's so it, – it's dug its roots in so deep that even if everyone got together and decided, hey, we're all going to vote for the Green Party or whatever third party, I think there would be huge, A, constitutional challenges. I think the way the courts are set up are entirely well, unjust. Good, good. Let them. And, like, again, and so, we have to make them uncomfortable though. Like we can't keep coming up what with I'm excuses saying is, for why things don't change. We have to make the powerful fear us again. I, I agree. I don't think we do that through voting. Is what I'm saying. I don't think Wait, you, you could get well. you could get tens of millions of people in this country voting for what they want, and they will find a way. Whether it's a, a governmental veto, whether it's the the courts ruling it unconstitutional, they are showing us in real time the way the Supreme Court is is have, is handing down these rulings or their leaked rulings that they're going to come out with. The people will not get a say. And until the system is gone, the people won't get a say. So I, you know, I, I love the concept of voting third party. I'm sure shit not voting for a Democrat or Republican ever again in my life. I just, I've seen it time and time again. The people want something. The people want single payer in California and we don't get it. The people want a lot of things. And when the people do come together, there's always an excuse. There's always this new hurdle, whether it's, the Senate parliamentarian said we can't do something good or whether it's blatantly just, well, the Supreme Court is going to change the rules so that people have less freedoms. That's what's getting bad. And I just the with each day, with each additional thing that gets additional right that gets stripped from us with uh, every increase in police funding. It just it feels like this is all going to come to a head and it's not going to be pretty. And I, I just – I can't help but feel me, like I, the system will not let itself go down, and you cannot reform or break the system under the rules of the system. So until absolutely. people are willing to say we are burning it entirely to the ground, we are writing a new constitution for our people, we are bringing democracy in the power of the people until there is a violent struggle, I'm not very confident that things are going to change you might have incremental changes without it, but nothing substantial enough to actually 
let the United States be a just and equitable country. Yeah. Well, I think for me, the thing about electoral politics is, again, you have to meet the people where they are. And the majority of this country, all they know about politics is, oh, there's a red party and a blue party, you know, and, and, and we vote every two years for Congress, uh, six years for Senate and four years for president. And so for me, what the importance uh, I, I'm with you, I mean, we need to build movements, grassroots movements that are challenging uh, and demanding uh, concessions from our politicians. Uh, we need to do direct action. We need to do mutual aid where we're helping people in our communities who are at the margins. But the importance of electoral politics is using it as a tool to educate people to the corruption of our system, to the corruption of both the Democrat and Republican parties. And and using and that's, for me, the importance of third parties is is to get different ideas on the debate stage, to get Either, you know, whether it's libertarians, look, I disagree with libertarians on economics, but I love that they're anti-war, you know, and, and so in many ways, uh, libertarians are, can be better than Democrats uh, because Democrats are right wing economically and, and, and libertarians are right wing economically. But at least when it comes to war, Democrat, I mean, libertarians are, are left uh, with w Democrats. They're right wing on war, as we're seeing right now. They will do anything to fund our military industrial complex. So I just think, you know, whether it's the Green Party or the socialist parties, I think it's important to support third parties so we can wake more people up to the corruption uh, of the system. And then but you're absolutely right. The system is never going to reform itself. The, the people, you know, are two parties who are using our government to enrich themselves and enrich their corporate donors. Why would they want that to end? Like they get guaranteed health care. You know, every single one of our politicians who, who's in Congress end up ends up becoming a millionaire. And then what do they do afterwards after they serve in Congress for, for you know, two to six to 10 years? What is the number one job for every congressperson or senator after they leave Congress is to become a lobbyist because they know how the system works. They know how our corrupt system works. They know that corporations hire lobbyists uh, to uh, descend on Washington, D.C. So when any legislation is written, whether it's the Affordable Care Act, you know, which I call the Unaffordable Care Act, you know, whether it's the CARES Act that was to give, supposed to give aid to the working class and small businesses, what ends up happening is every piece of legislation, there are corporate lobbyists who are in Washington who are talking to the Democrats and Republicans to tell them what their corporations want in this legislation. So that's what's happening in Washington. When you have bipartisanship in Washington, it's just more legislation that favors the corporations, that favors the billionaire class, because they literally buy access to our politicians through lobbyists. And when, again, when every politician is done, in fact, uh, the Democrats just lost uh, a seat in Texas to a Republican. And the reason uh, that Democrat didn't run for reelection is because she's now a lobbyist. And so, I mean, that is literally how corrupt our system is, is that after they get rich off uh, of, of, you know, and make millions off of off of off of uh, learning how our how corrupt our system is. They become lobbyists and become even richer uh, by continuing to rig the system for uh, the rich and for their corporate donors. So, I mean, this system, yes, as it's constructed, it's not a democracy. We, we live in an oligarchy. It it is a, a a we have a government that that serves one class of people, and that is the rich and big business. And it is it is against the working class. Both parties are. And, and that is why we need to keep helping wake people up. And, and so they understand that, you know, at the end of the day, we do have power, though. Like you can you can tell your politicians how you feel about them. Uh, and the other part about what I think is really good with third parties is 
You know, there's a, a lot of people in this country don't vote, and the reason they don't vote is because they've given up on the system because they know you can't fool poor and working class people. They get it. No matter who's in power, their their, their life doesn't change. So, but the the thing about voting third party is it sends a message: is that there are voters out there who will show up. And they will show up on election day, but they will not vote for either of the corporate parties. They will cast that protest vote. And if, and, and, and if you see more and more people showing up and casting protest votes and voting for the Green Party, for the Libertarian Party, for some of the socialist parties, that will send a message to Washington. Again, it's just one thing, but it's something. You know? And we have to keep uh, expressing discontent with the system, whether it's through protests, through protest voting, through direct action. We can't just do nothing. You know, and again, whether it's through educating people through media, through independent media like we're doing right now. I mean, there's just you, you have to do something. Doing nothing just gives more power to this corrupt system. Uh, Rob, do you want to uh, accept? I think we have a caller in, in, the, in the queue. Let's get them in here. We've talked enough. Yeah, Brady, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Hey, guys. Cool hearing from you all. Um, I'm doing my very best to start a whole new third party from here in Texas and Love I to hear it. It's more or less just a thought experiment and a Facebook group at a moment. At the moment, it's just me, like me, trying to put a bunch of ideas together in one place. And everything um, starts somewhere. Yeah, you know, I started it back in 2016, and since then they've uh, come up with the People's Party. You might be familiar with, and they are floating the idea of Jimmy Dore as a 2024 candidate. Yep. And you know, I love Jimmy Dore. He's a great guy. But um, I feel like we are fully capable of choosing more responsible candidates than that. And um, what the candidates, my dream team, the first question I asked on the uh, People Party page was, what is your uh, presidential dream team? Like, if your vote was the only one that counted, uh, what would the presidency look like if you could just all on your own choose who to lead us and just kind of get an idea, a feel of what everyone's looking for, you know? Yep. And personally, I would like to float Dr. Cornell West as president with Jesse Ventura as vice president running mate. I think that is the people party dream team. If I could put it together like that myself. I yeah, like that's, that a that's lot. That's not a bad I, ticket. I, that's, that's a pretty I, good ticket. You know, the thing about Jesse Ventura has a political background, right? He was the, the governor of Minnesota for a while. and Cornell West, I think, is one of the most like heartfelt, cares about the people. Not he's not a politician. He he's someone that cares. And so, like, I think again, if if I could press a button right now, and that would be the the current leadership of our president, I think we'd be in a much 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 better place. Um, so right, guys, yeah, let's that's... do it. Let's do it. I need some help. It's literally just me. <laughs> like, let's make it happen. Jesse Ventura is more than happy to jump on the people are the Green Party ticket uh, in the last election. They for some reason ignored him and handed it off to Howie Hawkins, who is just so utterly awkward that even I, you know, normally I do a protest vote for the Green Party, but because I'm in Texas, we were facing this threat of abortion. And so I felt cornered and in a last ditch effort to just do what I could to preserve women's rights. You know, I voted for Joe Biden and now we can see that's basically a huge waste. And I see the whole thing is a veiled attack on states' rights, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to take away our, away our ability to legalize things like cannabis and mushrooms and psychedelics like yep. in California, Colorado. And they're using abortion as a tool 
to scare us into uh, sacrificing our own rights to pr- protect something as basic as a woman's right to abortion. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, look, I, I, getting back to your earlier uh, thing, I, I think Cornel West is, is fantastic. I have the utmost respect for him. He, I, I like that he is uh, very centered. His politics are centered in putting the people uh, before corporations and, and just very simply putting people over profits, uh, which is what we need to do. Because right now, uh, you know, we have a system that puts profits over people at every single corner. Uh, of the system. Uh, I think Cornel West is fantastic. And look, I'm, you know, I, I actually, you know, I, I was on the advisory council for the People's Party, full disclosure. Um, you know, I helped them uh, last year and I, uh, I had to just step back for, for a little bit and just kind of, you know, um, just for my own reasons. I've heard a um, lot of that and that's unfortunate, you know. Um, I'd like to design a system to where it's, it's so, there's no centralized leadership. It's more of a real democracy within the party and we're yeah. actually Decentralization is very important because yes, again, and this is about... Decentralization yeah. and transparency, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, right now we have a system where the people don't, you know, there was a study and in, in, I think all the way back in 2016 by, by, the Prince, by Princeton that uh, the public has no uh, influence on any policy that's written in Washington. And, and they made an argument uh, that that is the hallmark of an oligarchy where the, the, it doesn't matter what the public wants, right? False, the public wants health care, right? The public wants uh, housing. The public wants all these policies, but it doesn't matter because uh, the public has no influence on, our pu- on public policy because both of our parties and all of our politicians are bought off by, by big business and, and the billionaire class. And so, so you know, the big business is writing all of our policies. And of course, they're going to write policies that help them uh, and, and hurt the people. So you know, we do need – we need a system where – that is decentralized, where the people uh, actually have a say – uh, that is what democracy is supposed to be. That is direct democracy. Actually, direct democracy is where the people write the laws themselves. Uh, so we're so far from that. Uh, but, you know, and J- I think we should – you brought up Jimmy Dore. I think we should talk about him because, you know, he's kind of a flashpoint. Look, well, you actually, know, I, I, I – um, If you don't mind me Let me just say about, something yeah, real fast. Because the I'm thing is, is, you know, there was a lot of people – I saw a lot of people on Twitter this week actually uh, shitting on Jimmy Dore, people who would call themselves progressive. Um, you know, shitting on him for running third party and da da da, like, oh, this is a joke, da da da. And I just, here's the thing, it, you know, I, I've had my disagreements with Jimmy Dore, um, but at the end of the day, if I'm choosing between someone like Jimmy Dore or Joe Biden and Donald Trump, I'm going to pick Jimmy Dore. And so I just think it's always important to put things into context because these same so-called progressives that were shitting on someone who's thinking about running third party, he's not my, he would not be my first choice. You know, I would much prefer Cornell West, but this, you have so many gatekeepers in the Democratic Party who spent all week shitting on Jimmy Dore, and these same fake progressives will be the ones who will be harassing us to vote for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whoever the corrupt Democrats rig their primary for in 2024. So it's so important to bring nuance to these discussions because you've got a system right now. You've got voters and people who are just – they cannot see how corrupt the Democrats are. And they cannot see that the Democrats are just as corrupt as Republicans. And in many ways, you know, one of my influences is someone like a Hunter Thompson. You know, he was one of the first to say, like, we can't, you know, we we can't keep voting for the lesser of two evils. Because if you keep voting for the lesser of two evils, cycle after cycle, the country continues to erode and nothing ever gets better. But one of the things that where I'm at today is like, 
and this is where Hunter was back in the 70s, is like calling the Democrats the lesser of two evils is too kind. It gives them too much credit because it, it, I am much more uh, in the Chris Hedges school of thought where the Democrats are not the lesser evil. They're the more effective evil because they sit and say, oh, the Republicans are the boogeyman. They're the bad guy. They're the ones doing all these bad things. Vote for us and we'll save you from these big, bad, scary Republicans. Well, it turns out the Democrats are doing just the same stuff, if not more uh, corruption than the Republicans, but they just give nicer speeches to kind of confuse the people and sedate the people with all these platitudes. And they give people false hope by saying, oh, we're going to fix the system when, no, the Democrats are rigging the system even more for the military industrial complex, for big business, for the billionaire class. And then they just pander to us and they actually use marginalized communities and say, oh, look, we, 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 we protect marginalized communities when actually, no, they sell us out when they get power. So I think that, that, that there's no path to progress in the Democratic Party. So when I saw the same usual suspects, you know, look, I, I again, I don't think I, I wouldn't. Jimmy's not my first choice. But when I saw these same so-called progressives shitting on him, I know that they're going to be the ones who are going to be demanding people vote for Democrats in 2024. So it's always good to bring some nuance to the debate. Is Jimmy, you know, again, I think he has his purpose. I like that he calls out the corruption of both parties. I like that he went on Fox News two nights ago and said to Tucker Carlson that both parties are corrupt. Both parties are owned by big business. And, and he called out uh, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. You know, how often do you hear anyone on MSNBC calling out the corruption of both parties? You never hear it. And so as much as I disagree with Tucker Carlson on probably every issue when it comes to economics, and I disagree with him, you know, on issues of race, um, I, I'm not going to disagree that he allows people like Jimmy to go on and talk about the corruption of both parties. I think that's very important to help wake people up. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. I love Jimmy. You know, he's not perfect. But he, no. he is great. And I'll say one great thing about him as a presidential candidate is that he's not worth assassinating because he's so easy to replace. You know what I mean? If they, if, if they wanted to go JFK on Jimmy Dore, like we could replace him with a smarter, faster, younger Jimmy Dore overnight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, he, I don't entirely trust him to remain uncorruptible. He's kind of a sketchy character in a bit, but... He, yeah, like a great choice. But I think we are fully capable of choosing a more responsible choice than Jimmy Dore. Um, he is great, but um, and I think at the end of the day, it's up to the people, right? Like, yeah, let's, the people let's should up, pick, we, right? The, the people I, should pick who they want to represent them, who they want the candidate to be. Um, and so I don't even exactly. know. If, again, I'm not involved with the People's Party anymore, so I don't even know if they're if if they did that, you know. But uh, well, let yeah. me run down the People Party platform. It's a little different than the People's Party. I think it's more democratic and universal. Um, so what I would like to do the, the long-term goal is to replace taxes entirely with donations. I know it sounds crazy, but, um, if we can create a system of helping each other out, that was so efficient, um, that it literally starts benefiting the lives of everyone and the entire planet around it, that even these greedy stock, you know, dirty guys start to realize it's worth their time to invest in it like a stock market, um, and essentially get to the point where people are so happy with the way that we do things that they're just like, hey, how much energy can we throw into this awesome project that we're all doing together? Um, now, the way we start with that is taking all the campaign donations for the People Party and just putting them into one big fund and then democratically voting on projects that we execute with this money, like whether it's fixing roads or building a school or getting clean water for kids, free food, organic food for kids, whatever we feel is the most important project that we can um, – 
collectively execute. You know, we'll start with small things first and just fix things on a local level. And maybe long term, we can get together as a country and start executing really large projects. And whether we win an election or not, we can still take all these campaign contributions. And instead of wasting them on signs and memorabilia and stuff that gets thrown away, all this toxic trash, we can actually spend it on actions and projects that are real and tangible and just let our actions advertise themselves. Instead of, you know, a $20,000 media package, I can design logos in a media package for free all day. You know, um, these are the things that we can outsource to each other for something we all believe in. And so that's kind of, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I, I like the spirit of it. And hey, look, right now our, our tax dollars are not going to what they're supposed to go to. I mean, exactly. the thing about taxes is like, I have no problem paying taxes if, if my taxes are going to roads, bridges, schools, yeah. healthcare, housing uh, for the homeless. Yeah, but I would, I would work that's not what to happens. You know, right yeah. now, all of our taxes are going, are going to subsidies to big corporations. They're going to help the people who don't need help. And I think that's the most frustrating thing with our government is like the people in society at the top, these giant corporations, these billionaires, they're not the ones who need any help. They've already got it all. They're actually hoarding the majority of the wealth in our country. It's the people who need help. It's the people who are on the streets. It's the people who don't have health care. It's the people who are unhoused. It's the people who've fallen through the cracks in our system because our system intentionally has cracks for people to fall through. Because again, if you're not making profits for the oligarchs, our system doesn't care about you. And I just, I just, I can't, I don't, I just, uh, I disagree with that. You know, I just, I'm not the type of person who believes in a system that just sees everyone as just, you know, uh, lemmings who are supposed to just, you know, work to enrich the oligarchs. Like we have more meaning in our life than that. We should have more purpose in our life than that. Uh, I believe in, 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 a, in a system of philosophy that's about the community and that's about, uh, you know, putting the community and putting people over the profits of these ridiculous corporations. And so, you know, your idea is very outside of the box. But again, I think that's the kind of thinking we need right now because the, all the thinking that we have and the ideas that are in Washington are just ideas that benefit the 1%. And we need yeah, ideas that are different, that are outside of the box, that are going to help the 99%. So uh, I really thank you for your call. Uh, and, oh. and, you know, try to get in touch with me. Send me a direct message on Twitter. That's really the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, maybe we can continue the conversation. And I'd like for Rob to respond. Rob, is there anything you'd like to respond on? We just covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, we've covered a lot. Yeah, thank you again so much, Brady. Um, I know we, we've gone almost an hour and a half now. I, I think being creative is, is the, the biggest weapon we have, I guess, to use against the, the status quo. And those in charge, are, they, they know how this system works. They know how to exploit this system really well. And I think that where we're going to be able to beat them is – outthinking them and, and being creative and outside the box. Um, you know, just in terms of like the, the no taxes thing, Hey, I'm not happy with how my taxes are going. I just fear in a situation where if it's all donation based, if these corporations, if these large companies or whatever are still there and they still have money and power, if they decide, Hey, it's no longer financially uh, smart to do this. Like, if that dries up, if that money dries up real quick, um, I would like for there to be more safeguards for people so that they're not a hundred percent reliant on that. But again, it, you know, just thinking about things in a different way is, is important. And, um, thank you again so much for, for your, your call and for your input, Brady.
Uh, do we have anyone else? Anyone else want to jump in here? It, it kind of t- we'll take one more call before we close the show. Nope. Well, until they pop in, I guess I'll just say I appreciate you guys. Like I said, it's just a Facebook group thought experiment, totally open to more nuanced ideas like that, where, you know, maybe we do tax corporations, but we just sacrifice the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the tax on our wages, the wage tax, um, you know, um, yeah, something like a more balanced solution, uh, where at, and at the very least, all that money we gave to the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, if you can imagine, $130 million, $130 million. Imagine <laughs> if, if, if we just, you know, did something with that, just organized yep. with that. And instead of all those t-shirts. <laughs> yep. Well, and honestly though, I mean, remember, although they're better than the consultants who work for Biden and Pelosi, yes. uh, you know, there, a lot of people made a lot of money off the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, yes. And some of them are the ones who now yell at people like me and Rob and you who are cu- trying to come up with outside of the box ideas or trying to just do real grassroots solutions. Because again, you know, like there's a segment of society that will always want to protect the system. And as much Bernie is responsible for my political awakening. I voted for him in 2016 and then again in 2020 in the primary before voting green in the general in 2020. But, you know, at the end of the day, like what has Bernie done after his two big presidential runs? You know, he, th- he it was, was $130 million dollars he took. And then yeah. he just basically told everyone that he kind of helped radicalize to just – Vote for Hillary. Vote for Biden. Like he just kind of funneled us all back into the DNC. He funneled us into the very corrupt system that that fights back against every policy that Bernie campaigned on. Like the Democrats don't want health care for everyone because they're funded by the the giant insurance companies. The Democrats don't want to end the wars because they're funded by the big weapons manufacturers. You know, the Democrats don't want to end corporate welfare because they take money from all the largest corporations. So. This idea that like you're you're gonna find change inside of a party that is owned by Wall Street is just completely delusional. And as much as I love Bernie, I think he's now doing a disservice to the very movement he started and he was fighting for. Um, it breaks my heart to say that, but I think the best thing Bernie could do is to run independently and to and to be more like Rolf Nader. And uh, according to his uh, biographer, that's what Bernie doesn't want. That was his big fear that. He doesn't want to be known as a Rolf Nader. And I look at someone like Nader and Jill Stein as, as heroes because they were able to fight back against uh, one of the most corrupt parties in the world, which is the Democratic Party. And the other one, of course, is the Republican Party. And I just don't see a solution. Uh, if you want a country that works for everyone and you want a country that has dignity, dignity and justice for all people, it's never going to come by supporting two parties who serve the rich. It's just a false not. dichotomy. It's, it's really that simple. And especially the way they pit us against each other, always blaming the other side. And again, the theme of this show was what's happening right now is Joe Biden and the Democrats, by not using their majority to help the people who are, who are being crushed under record inflation and what they're doing is just paving the way for Trump and the Republicans to win in 2022 and 2024. And the last part of the piece that a lot of people, especially these progressives, don't understand is that this is actually what the Democrats want. Because remember, the party doesn't exist to serve the people. The party exists to stop any real movement to the left, and it exists to protect our 
capitalist oligarchy. The GOP, excuse me, the Democrats are the GOP's greatest ally. They just pretend to resist them uh, so they can continue to confuse the people. So the Democrats want nothing more than Republicans to win. So then they can go and say, oh, look, now you got to vote for us and they can fundraise off of Trump. I mean, they've made so much money off of fundraising off Donald Trump. Like the Democrats say they hate Trump. The real Democratic operatives in the DNC, they love Donald Trump. He's their number one fundraiser. That's, and so this, they don't care if they lose. That's the saddest part. Like all these people who are like, oh, you got to vote blue to save democracy when we don't have a democracy, when we live in an oligarchy. So like you can't save something that doesn't exist. But what these people don't understand is the Democrats don't care if they lose the election. The only thing they care about is protecting their corporate donors. And because both parties represent the corporations in this country, it doesn't matter who wins, right? And that's again, why the corporations give about half their money to Democrats and half to Republicans. They hedge their bets because whoever wins the election, they win and they know that they'll have access to the White House and they'll have access to Congress and to the Senate. So the Democrats don't care if they lose. They're going to they'll use Trump and the Republicans for like, oh, you, look what's happening. Now you got to you got to give us more money. You got to give us twenty three dollars. You know you, that they'll use this as, as another fundraising ploy. So that's the sad part. We're just kind of stuck in this 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 vicious cycle uh, of of being governed by two parties who don't care about us and who pit us against each other and 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 we'll just go back and forth like a ping pong until the people have the courage to rise up and fight for something better. So thank you for for calling tonight and giving us a little hope and and, and for and for organizing. Like everyone can be an organizer and you, and you kind of said, "Oh, it's just a little Facebook group." Dude, like you're doing more than most people. Like most people and and again, it's not no fault of their own. Most people are just fucking exhausted because they're working to try to survive. So they don't have the time and the energy. But, you know, don't discount what you're doing. I think I'm I'm an incredibly privileged individual. You know, I've been through hell myself, but I am incredibly privileged to have the time and energy to do all this kind of stuff. Yep. And um, I I have time and energy to do more, but I could absolutely use your help and Rob's help, any help from anyone who's interested in organizing this party the right way, building it the right way, making sure we're doing things in a very cool and fun way that everyone can get on board with. And I think there's a lot of potential to heal. There's so much more potential to heal. I'll push back 1% and even say that I I do believe these oligarchs need help too. (laughs) They could use, I think some psychedelic healing. I think if, uh, if we were able to, uh, I don't know, maybe they are already kind of exposing psych experiencing psychedelics themselves in secret. But I think if we were all, to have access to plant medicine like that, um, it could kind of raise the general cultural vibe to a point where the oligarchs don't want to enslave us anymore. And they kind of kind of empathize with us a little more, you know, like, Hey, the biggest disease that together. is destroying humanity is greed. So if you, if, absolutely if, if plants yeah. cure greed, let's they go, do. let's try they it. Really let's try do. Let's give, you know, let's give these a... greedy motherfuckers some, some, some mushrooms and let's see. Yes. But, you know, yes. the, the, I will say though, that, that that's one of the things is you don't ever, don't ever underestimate the, just the, the, you know, our society does everything possible to put these oligarchs and billionaires up on pedestals. And, and so, you know, and, and the majority of the people just worship them because, you know, there's, this is what our society sees as success. Right. But at the end of the day, like these people, the majority of these people up there with all this power and, 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 and money, they got it because they are psychopaths, right? They got it because yes. they don't care. They got it because they, they don't care if they ship a million jobs to China and put a million, uh, you know, manufacturing workers in the middle of our country out of jobs because and again, they're not really happy. Look at their faces. Well, yeah, you but they, see it because, on their but at the faces end of the day, like they don't care about 
others' well-being. The only thing they care about yeah. is, is greed, as profits, and and so you know, don't underestimate just their level of indifference. Because again, we you, might, you have compassion. You I can tell. Yeah. And sometimes when we have empathy, we think, oh. We know what it's like to have empathy. We know what it's like to want to fight for everyone to be housed or fight for everyone to have health care. There are people in our society who just don't care. Psychopaths. And unfortunately, in a society that's built on putting profits over everything else, the people who tend to rise to the top are the ones who literally just don't have compassion and don't care about anything but enriching themselves uh, no matter how many people they have to hurt along the way, right? And I mean, look at the – I mean the biggest industry in America is war, right? I mean – the money that is made that is being made right now by these weapons manufacturers for producing these javelins and missiles, you know, these and bombs. I mean, these things are used to just destroy uh, countries, and and these people don't care. There's people right now who yeah. are lobbying on behalf of these weapons manufacturers. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there is a segment of America who just. The system is what it is, and there's so much illusion. I mean, that's what the corporate media's job is: is to just is to is to dress all this up, and so people don't see the actual pain and suffering that our system is inflicting, not only on the poor and working class in this country, but 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 across the world. You know, that's what the American empire is. Uh, you know, it profits off of exploiting uh, and destroying others, really. And so, look, I, I wish we could just give them mushrooms and maybe that's it. But we also don't want to be naive and think that, like, you know, because if these people had compassion, they would be fighting and, 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 and trying to make sure everyone has health care, right? If these people had compassion, Amazon workers wouldn't be pissing in bottles, right? And Amazon workers, you know, would be paid a living wage. So we can't also just think that, like, the solution is to pretend these people have empathy and compassion because, unfortunately, most of them don't. But when enough people rise up and demand a society that is compassionate and, and, and is dignified and does have justice for all, that's how you get it. You know, we, we, we beat corporate power with people power. And we just have to keep bringing as much people together as possible. So you're awesome, man. Thank you for calling. You've been a joy to have on tonight. And uh, we are at an hour and a half. Uh, Rob, do you have closing thoughts? I'll let you, since I talk so much, I'll let you close. Well, I just, you know, it, it seems like there's a lot of bleak shit happening in this country, in this world. And so uh, not finding a way to not lose hope is important um yep. it's it can seem like you know what's the point of all this climate change is getting worse we're not taking it seriously but until until the last person's gone i mean we just gotta find a way to keep fighting pushing back have those conversations with people whether it's your friends your coworkers, your family um and and just try to like argue from a place of of good faith and and as long as people know that you're you believe in what you believe in, not because you're trying to enrich yourself, but because you believe in the betterment of, of humanity and other people. Um, I think generally people are at least fairly receptive, even if they don't at face value love your ideas. They won't say, well, you're just a, a piece of shit. They're like, oh, well, we might have differences of agreement, but uh, I, I like that you're at least fighting for the betterment of people. So if we can keep doing that, I'm, I'm hoping that you know we're we're reaching a point where people are going to say enough is enough. And I'm hoping that happens in my lifetime. Um, but until then, the only thing we can try to do is like help educate and be kind to others and, and try to, you know, focus on mutual aid and, and just being the best person you can be. Well said, Rob. And I uh, hope everyone has a great weekend and thank you guys uh, for joining us for another episode of unruly. We will catch you next week.